Hi, this is Kelly. And this is Jenna. And you're listening to ODFM. This episode is one dial from murder. This is a story out of Gainesville, Florida. Florida, man. (laughs) We could just do a podcast or an entire season just on Florida stories. Mm -hmm. (laughs) We could do Daytona. (laughs) Oh, wait, all the Ds. Right. Oh, my God. You're right. We could. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But they're good stories. They're So, so good. This is Gainesville, Florida, which is best known for the University of Florida, but... From my research, there are sections of what's called swamp country, (laughs) which which are neighborhoods filled with more rugged individuals, should we say? Okay. The kind who typically have gun racks in their Mm -hmm. pickups. Mm -hmm. A criminal investigator who will come up later in our story, he says, (laughs) he was quoted saying, when they call the police in, it's usually after the fact. Oh, that makes sense. <laughs> this kind of area. Mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. it's more okay. to clean up the situation. It's not the situation is happening. We should probably make a report about this. Right. <laughs> right. It's already been the situation's already happened. Yeah. Okay. So my story here begins in the early 1970s with mm-hmm. the Sims family. Um, not to be confused with the Sims that was the popular yes. game. TV show. Oh, I was yeah. You're no, right. not the Simpsons. It is the game. Yeah. The game, the Sims, right? Right. So good. Mm-hmm. So this is the Sims family, but these are real people. Um, <laughs> so we have <laughs> we have Frank and Iris Sims and their daughters Deborah and Marlene. Okay. Very very tight knit family. The sisters were only a year apart in age, and they were best friends. Aww. Oh uh, yeah, they're very close. So <laughs> that mm, seemed it's gonna uh, yeah they're so it's close. gonna factor in somewhere. Okay. In the early 1970s, Frank, who was an insurance agent, moved the family from Alabama. Frank's and beans. Frank's and beans. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't, I don't know. know. Okay. Doesn't matter. Um, he moved the family from Alabama to a trailer park just outside of Gainesville, Florida. Okay. The locals called that neighborhood, the trailer park neighborhood, Beatty Hill, after a man named Verdi, Verdi Ree Beatty. Verdi Ree. Verdi Ree. Okay. He was a tree surgeon, which I think is a very fancy name for what he probably really did. Probably. (laughs) And he lived there with his 10 kids. So they were a good portion of the neighborhood. Mm, Yeah. Themselves. Mm -hmm. I would guess that's more than a gang. I'm guessing that's more than a double wide. That might be like a quadruple wide. Like how many people can you fit? How many wides can you get in there? (laughs) Yeah. How many wides can you get? So anyway, one of his sons, Gerald Beatty, was quoted saying, my father was a rowdy. I didn't even know that you could Mm. use that as a noun. He was a rowdy. Okay. (laughs) When the police got called, they never sent one car. They always sent several. Oh, well, yeah. Right. Just trying to give you a a feeling of of where we are here in Florida. It's Verdi again, guys. Verdi, right? Get your seatbelts on. The youngest baby boy, Cecil. Cease. He was also a rowdy. Oh. He, <laughs> well, you know, mm. <laughs> he's a rowdy. Absolutely. He's a rowdy. So Cecil, he liked to drink. He liked to fight. 
Mm. He dropped out of school to work with his father um, in the tree business. Good times. <laughs> the business yeah. of trees. Well, it pays well. I'll tell you that. Oh, does it? Oh, okay. Yeah. I didn't know that. The younger Sim's daughter, Marlene, caught his eye. Hey, baby. Right. And mm-hmm. despite a six-year age difference, Ooh. they began dating, mm-hmm. which, you know, when you're in high school, six years that's is a That's a long big, time. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's seventh grade to senior. Oh, I mean, that's absolutely. a good- Ooh, <laughs> that's there's a, a lot of time. maturation time going on there. You're- they began dating. Marlene was 15 when she got pregnant. Mm-hmm. Oh, girl. So she dropped out of school and they got married. Oh, and Cecil no. was 21. Oh, Lord. This is not going anywhere good. So- he could legally drink and she mm-hmm. didn't have a driver's license yet. Mm-hmm. I just realized that as I was looking at the ages. Yikes. Yikes. <laughs> it's a big... It's a and big. to be a mom and not have a driver's license. Oh, God. Right? A little rough, but okay. Oh, God. Okay. Yeah. They ended up having two sons together. They had a second child, too. Okay. But the marriage didn't last. What? Shocker. Right. <laughs> <laughs> According to older brother Gerald Beatty, this is okay. a great quote. I had to put this in verbatim. One day, Cecil came home, and she had packed up the kids and moved in with his best friend, Ralph (gasps) Smith. Mm, Another rowdy. Another rowdy. Oh, God. He spent all these years waiting on Marlene to come back. And after she split up with Ralph, if she'd need anything done, he'd do it. Mm. One day, I said to him, Cecil, why don't you just walk up to Marlene, give her a great big hug and a Mm. big juicy kiss, and say, Marlene, darling... If there's anything you want from me from now on, just kiss my ass. Oh. He got mad at me and said he loved Marlene. Oh, so well. Marlene yeah. was done with him and he was still holding He was up. still in love. This still. so much reminds me of Trailer Park Boys. <laughs> this is, Which, it's yeah. probably still going to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, there was an ugly drawn out custody battle oh, between no. Marlene and Cecil. Marlene claimed that Cecil built, beat their older son with a oh. board. Oh, my God. Cecil denied it. Okay. Now, after the divorce, Cecil supposedly stopped drinking, went to night school, and even started coaching Little League. Like, when oh. she left him, he was like, I'm nice. straightening up Getting my life. my shit right? together. Yeah. Right. Good. But they're still, so they're divorced. She's already moved on. So they're still fighting over the kids. Is Ralph in the same trailer park? I would imagine. Oh <laughs> I would God. imagine he is. Just it down the street. Right. I think they oh were all kind of... They're all right there intermin- together. Intermin- mm-hmm. So now the older Sims daughter, Deborah, who also went by Debbie, okay. she also dropped out of high school to get married. Oh, ew. I feel a trend. Yeah. Debbie was known to be a bit wild. A what? rowdy, if you will. <laughs> uh, she's rowdier. I don't know. If it, is rowdy just a, you know, do they only use that for the males? I don't know. Maybe. Mm. Rowdy they didn't describe her. Rowdette. A rowdette. This was a little side note, but I thought it gave you insight to, to who Debbie was. Once she took a neighbor's teen daughter shopping in Jacksonville and the girl came back with a tattoo and her Ooh. parents were understandably upset. Yeah. didn't know we were shopping for <laughs> right. yeah. permanent. I just thought you were going to take her to like Deb, right? And like, <laughs> right. Look at, I'm sure I Claire's, that. I think Claire's, Claire's was around, right? Claire's I'm sure they there. went to Claire's. Yeah. They thought maybe mm-hmm. she would get some nice nope. big hoop earrings or yeah, something. No. She came back with a tattoo. Also at the mall. Right, exactly. (laughs) By the time Debbie was 19, she was bored with her marriage. Because she'd already been married for a couple of years by the time she was 19. She's like, I've matured now. (laughs) Right, exactly. I have grown up. (laughs) And her her tastes had changed. Well, yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. So she started dating 31-year-old 
Joe Bannister, um, who is 12 years older than Yeah, her. so she's just like, no, I'm going <laughs> to increase the range because it didn't right. work. It wasn't enough last time. Joe had served for five years in the U.S. Air Force and was okay. working as a telephone installer for Western Electric. Okay. He had already been married twice. Uh-oh. Another red flag. I notice a pattern with all these people. Yeah. It's very, marriage is very temporary. <laughs> Maybe we should not marry. It's okay Maybe to Maybe we date. should just date for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, we could it's just okay test things out, mm-hmm. right? Oh, God. When Debbie's husband found out that she had been having an affair, she left him and they oh. divorced. She okay. just was like, oh, you're not cool with this? Well, then I guess I'll leave. And she moved in with Joe. Shocker. Oh. Um, right. And so in 1978, Debbie became Joe's third wife. Uh-oh. Her second marriage, his third marriage. And she, he's she, only 31. She's only 19. Oh, my God. I mean, at the rate they're going, wow. by the time they're in their 50s, they're going to be yeah. on like Seven, fours and fives. Eight. <laughs> Seven. Oh, right. my God. Reminds me of the guy from what was the story from South Carolina? Mm-hmm. Remember where the family couldn't even remember how many yeah, times he'd been he was married? at least. They thought maybe at least seven, but they don't know. Maybe they're all related. It's, a, it's really bad. <laughs> Except that guy was like a millionaire. So these people yeah. are not. No, <laughs> they are not. I, I figured that out. Despite the unconventional start to their marriage, Joe and Debbie Bannister actually started living the American dream. They had hmm. a nice home in a suburb of Gainesville. She got a really good job as a loan officer at Sun Bank. Wow. He was still working at Western Electric. You know, he was just, you know, rising through the whatever. Yeah. And they had two children together, a boy and a girl. Okay. So now she has four kids? No, she has two. Her sister has the other two. Oh, right. Okay. Right. They're they're sisters. So they both have all kinds of stuff going on. But after a few years, a now 29-year-old Debbie told a friend that she was frustrated with her marriage. Again. Um. Okay. Uh. (laughs) She told her friend that Joe was a really nice guy, Mm. but not what she wanted or needed. She complained Mm. that Joe would come home from work, grab a beer, and collapse on the couch. Well, that's better than beating (laughs) her, whatever happened with... Uh, Right, and they have a good... A good life, yeah. So she was like, nope, not for me. (sighs) Okay. Deborah and Marlene were still very close with each other. Okay. Through all these marriages. They're still besties. And they're still close with their parents. Okay. In the spring of 1984, Marlene, who's now 28, I think they were a year apart. So we got 28 and 29. Okay, right. She's still in this ugly custody battle with her first husband, Cecil Beatty. And so they were about to go back to court over something else. I mean, they just- Oh my God, their kids are almost grown probably at this point. (laughs) I think they got to be, I, you know what? I'm not sure. I know they still needed babysitters. Mm. So they were probably like- they weren't babies anymore, but they mm-hmm. were probably like elementary school kids or something. Oh, okay. Yeah. So recently, Cecil went to the school and took one of their boys from the school. So I guess they're going back and forth. They're fighting over custody and who has them when and all that kind of crap. And yeah, I guess Cecil went to the to the school and pulled one of the boys out of school and took him home. And that really Yikes. pissed her off. Right? Yeah. So Marlene's livid. So she tells her sister, Debbie that she's so frustrated and she just wished Cecil was dead. Okay. That's not that abnormal to say. Sure. People say that all the time. Yeah. A few days later, Debbie Uh-oh. told Marlene she knew someone oh. who could kill Cecil. <laughs> oh, you know how you wanted him dead? Right. FYI. <laughs> I know a I know guy. A, I know a guy, right? <laughs> Debbie had seen an ad in Soldier of Fortune magazine. What an ad? 
Yes. So I looked it. I looked it up because I wasn't. I'd heard of Soldier of Fortune, but I didn't know a lot. So mm-hmm. from Wikipedia, mm-hmm. Soldier of Fortune is a monthly U.S. periodical founded in 1975 as a mercenary magazine devoted to worldwide reporting of wars. Okay. That's what it's devoted to. Okay. But there's a classified section. There's apparently. a classified section. Okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Oh. So Debbie called a number in an ad. And the man had said that anything was possible if the price was right. Oh, shiz. Dude. Right? On January 6th, 1985, Cecil Beatty, 33 years old, was mm. murdered. Oh, shit. He was shot through the front window of his home while he was sleeping on the couch, like right there in the living room watching mm. TV. This guy's a sharpshooter. Right. He was shot twice in the head with a 22 caliber rifle. Oh. All I was doing was laying on the couch watching TV. Right through the glass. Apparently. Had a big picture window. <gasps> mm-hmm. I have pictures of the picture of the picture. I have pictures, um, you have pictures of, the of the picture, picture. window. Okay. Mm-hmm. Pictures of the picture window. Mm. So, of course, police questioned Marlene. Yeah. They're, They've got this uh, relationship. The ex, right? <laughs> she told police, quote, I'm glad the son of a bitch is dead, but I didn't kill him. <laughs> I might have paid to kill him, but I didn't right. do it. Mm-hmm. I feel... I feel real bad for my kids because they lost their father. Yeah. (laughs) She's real torn up about it. We've got some mourning to do. She did not attend her ex-husband's funeral. And on the first business day after the murder, she called his insurance company Uh and was furious when she found out that Cecil had recently removed her as the beneficiary (laughs) of his $30,000 life insurance policy. $30,000. Come on. So she was like, son of a. God damn it, all that work. I, I paid 30000 I know, exactly. I'm not even going to come out, you know, with anything left over. Oh, God. Okay. Less than a month later, just before midnight on February 2nd, hmm. a 911 call came into the Bradford County Sheriff's Office reporting a car in a drainage ditch on a remote stretch of highway. Hmm. The headlights were on and the motor was still running. Uh-oh. So they called it in thinking, this can't be good. Someone, someone's yeah, someone's hurt. When the Florida Highway Patrol went to investigate, they found the car. Headlights on, motor running. Okay. There appeared to be very little damage to the outside of the vehicle. The driver, a middle-aged man, was slumped over the steering wheel of his car. Mm. His hair was matted with blood and he <laughs> had no pulse. Oh, she is. So officer, officer, officers pulled the man out of the car and tried unsuccessfully to resuscitate him. Rose. So they searched and found his wallet and identified the man as Deborah's husband, Joe mm. Bannister. Uh-oh. Oh, well, hmm. Mm. Is this a two for mm. one? Mm. Two for one. <laughs> <laughs> Buy one, get one. Yeah. <laughs> it's a oh, bogo. No. <laughs> God. I love bogos. <laughs> oh, <shit>. Officers, <laughs> officers were puzzled as to what caused Joe to drive off the road. There was no evidence of a crash or interaction mm. with another vehicle, but the driver's side window of Joe's car mm. was broken. Jeez, this person mm. likes shooting from a distance. Mm-hmm. At 4.30 a.m., Florida Highway Patrol Commander Winston Barber went to Deborah's home to break the news. Mm-hmm. Debbie cried as she told him that she and Joe had spent the night out with friends, Hmm. but they drove home separately. And when Joe didn't come home, she called the police to report him missing. Hmm. 
she asked where the body was. And when she was told that Joe's body had been taken to the county morgue for an autopsy, her demeanor changed. Hmm. Uh-oh. She told Commander Barber, well, I'm not going to agree to an autopsy. And oh, when yeah. he was like, um, you have no choice, what? babe. Right. Mm-hmm. She said, well, I don't want them all cut up. Mm, mm-hmm. I see. And he goes, yeah. he informed her, well, it's not up to you. Mm-hmm. It's a matter of procedure. Yeah. You don't get to choose what happens. Mm-hmm. Sorry, babe. Right. Commander Barber was quoted saying, that was the first time I delivered a death message and the victim's relative was upset about an autopsy. Mm. That is a major red flag there. Yeah, yeah, that's not at all odd or suspicious. Mm -mm. I thought right now we could just think about that for have a little break. Hi there, I'm Megan. And I'm Danielle. And we are Crime and Roses. We are a true crime and bachelor franchise recap podcast. Yeah, we're both. We are two Georgia attorneys watching and recapping all things Bachelor just for you. So we're talking Bachelor, Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise, Winter Games, Summer Games, all the games. Basically any show that ABC comes up with and forces us to watch. And then we'll release a true crime episode connected to what we've seen on the show that week. So if you don't like true crime, we have The Bachelor. And if you don't like The Bachelor, we have true crime. And if you don't like either, we're probably not the podcast for you. And that's okay. So if you're into one of those things, both of those things, come check us out as we combine our two favorite things into one-stop listening shop for you. So find us on your favorite podcatcher and on social media at Crime and Roses and email us at crimeandroses at gmail.com. Bye. Love you. Mean it. 36 hours later, the autopsy revealed that 41-year-old Joe Bannister died from two gunshot wounds. Mm-hmm. The first shot grazed the back of his head. The second shot went through his brain and caused his immediate death. Oh, well, that's good at least. I mean, yeah, after right? the first one, he's probably like, what the hell was that? And then boom. Yes. Yikes. There was a 22 caliber bullet still lodged mm. in his skull. Mm. So his death was reclassified as a homicide. Mm -hmm. So Don Denton of the Bradford County Sheriff's Department said he was dreading going to Deborah Bannister's house to say, oh, "Oh, your husband was actually murdered. Mm, Right. Right. Because he expected her to be in total shock and all this. She wasn't a bad person. Dead. She questioned him about the caliber of the murder weapon. Oh, my God. Dead. (laughs) And so... (sighs) Denton was quoted as saying, now I'm in shock. Yeah, no <laughs> I shit. I you were. Uh, I'm sorry, what did you ask? What? Oh <laughs> I'm sorry, he was God. actually killed. He was yeah. shot. Really? What caliber? <laughs> I'm disappointed in her. I know, right? Mm-hmm. Debbie. Do better. Do better, Deb. Investigators received a tip from Ralph Smith, mm-hmm. Marlene's estranged boyfriend, mm-hmm. the one she left Cecil for, but now she's <laughs> not with him either. She's moved on again. And but again. Ralph Smith, because he knows everybody, everybody, mm. they're all from Beatty Hill. <laughs> they're all from the trailer park. All right, right. They're all from the same trailer park. So he told police that at Joe's funeral, Deborah showed up with a man named John Wayne Hearn. Ew. I don't know why. The, John why Wayne anything is it's not It's never okay. a good sign, right? John mm-hmm. Wayne, do yourself a favor mm-hmm. when you have a son. Don't name Mm-mm. him John Wayne. It Mm-mm. doesn't end up well. No. I mean, the original John Wayne, yes. Everyone else, mm-hmm. not right? so much. 
Don't do it. So this was John Wayne Hurt. She introduced him as a long lost cousin, though no one had ever mm. heard of him before. And, you know, mm-hmm. they all came from the same trailer park. Mm. And somehow he was never brought up before. Mm. Weird. They also acted inappropriately with each other. Ew, like touchy-feely. Mm. Ew. So that was weird. He helped Deborah with the funeral arrangements and mm. even photographed the family at the ceremonies, which I always thought Is was Is this really like a wedding weird. or? <laughs> right? Like, I mean, I have seen that before where people take pictures in front of the casket. I get it. Yeah. I get that. I, I, I get guess. the part where... Sometimes, I've heard my family say it before, we only see each other at weddings and funerals. Yeah, it's true. I've seen it, you know, but, and and I, uh, I mean, so if you want to go step outside Mm -hmm. and like take a picture together, that's cool. But I've seen pictures in front of the casket and that's Mm -mm. freaking weird. Mm -mm. I'm sorry. I know, it weirds me out. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, that is so inappropriate. Mm -hmm. I mean, because someone's ass is in the person's face while they're sitting there, they're backed up to the casket. Sorry, it's just This one was weird, too. He even took a photo of Deborah holding a single red rose standing in front of her husband's grave. Oh, do you accept this rose? <laughs> it's it just like, no, really weird. What? It was like she was posing for a, for a Climb picture or something. Oh. But the grave is behind her. Oh, like, what the no, fuck is that? Not okay. Glamour yeah. Shot. <laughs> this is my, this is my <laughs> wake Glamour shot. <laughs> right, exactly. So weird. Yikes. Then a call came in from the nearby Alachua, I think it's Alachua, mm. County Sheriff's Department, reporting that Joe Bannister had oh. been the in-law of another murder victim, hmm. Cecil Beatty, in Gainesville. Oh, how hmm. odd. Gosh, Two man. guys, brother-in-laws, hmm. both murdered within like three, four weeks hmm. of each other. That's not weird, Mm-mm. right? Not at all. Hmm. May as well use the same guy. Yeah. Residents of Beatty Hill reported seeing John Wayne Hearn at the Sims home shortly before mm. Cecil's murder. Oh, shit. So they're like, yeah, you know, mm. we've never seen him before even that happened. Mm. Oh, no. And then he came as the long lost cousin. This is weird. So mm. police, of course, began looking into this Hearn fellow. Good. John Wayne Hearn was a 38-year-old truck driver and self-described photographer from Atlanta. <laughs> well, I'm a self-described right. surgeon. Exactly. Right. On the weekends. <laughs> right? <laughs> I'm boobs. really good at this. Where did you uh, learn? Oh, I'm self-taught and everything. Self-taught. I, but I looked at I'm awesome. Mm-hmm. Right. I've checked, though. I'm good. I'm good. I watched I've some YouTube it. videos. Right. <laughs> Oh, no. He served as a Marine sergeant in Vietnam. He even received a Purple Heart. Wow. Okay. He had been married four times. Oh, God. What the fuck? I know. Four times. Stop it. And was currently living in an empty studio outside of Atlanta. Mm. Okay. This is his photography studio. Four times. Four times. Right. With his, yeah, just taking pictures. Time to give up, dude. Mm Mm-hmm. He was involved in a long custody battle for his eight-year-old son, Wayne. I know, know, it's such a hot mess, Oh, my God, they all are. Right. And the eight-year-old son lived with Hearn's own mother in South Carolina. Oh, so so he's fighting his own mom, maybe. It was just really, uh, yeah, I don't know. It was very weird, but he, yeah. Bad situation. Mm -hmm. Police found out he was on the radar of the the Georgia Bureau of Investigation for placing ads in Soldier of Fortune. I think I know who he is. 
<laughs> one ad read ex marine 67 to 69 nom vet mm-hmm. ex di weapons specialist mm-hmm. jungle warfare mm-hmm. high risk assessments u.s or overseas mm-hmm. well mm-hmm. Mm. It did not say Bogo, by the way. It oh, damn it. <laughs> Bogo. Right. Bogo. Right. Um, <laughs> this weekend only. Kidnap and uh, kill. God. <sighs> so police brought John Wayne Hearn in for an interview. He mm. claimed his relationship with Deborah was strictly platonic mm-hmm. and that he was with his mother and son in South Carolina on the night of Joe Bannister's murder. Okay. Investigators traveled to South Carolina to interview Hearn's mother, Mary Watson, in person. She verified his alibi and said that she did not know any Deborah. So investigator Farnell Cole, he's the one from before that said they call us after the fact. Oh, right, right. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Uh, Farnell Cole knew that she was stonewalling and he got frustrated. He could tell. And so he took a break and walked down the hall from the interrogation room. Uh And he saw John Wayne Hearn's eight-year-old son, Wayne, coloring in a coloring book, you know, waiting Uh for his grandma. Mm -hmm. So he just kind of struck up a conversation with the kid. He was like, you know, so you live in South Carolina with your grandma? And the kid's like, yeah. And he's Mm -hmm. like, oh, I live in Florida, you know, by Mickey Mouse. And Wayne said, oh, I just went to Disney World to see Mickey Mouse uh, last weekend. And he's Mm -hmm. like, oh, you did? He's like, yeah, I went with daddy, new mama, and new brother and sister. Whoa. Uh, who knew mama and who knew brothers? Yeah, what? And so, so, uh, investigator Cole Mm. took out a picture of Deborah Bannister Uh and said, do you know who this is? And he said, yeah, yeah, that's my new mama. Mm. (laughs) Mm, My God, this poor kid. Okay. Yeah. They forgot to tell the kid Uh what the story was. Always make sure your kids are part of the story. Yeah. Oh God. Rookie mistake. Oh, my God. Everybody's got to be in on the story. Mm -hmm. You got to tell everyone. (laughs) Practice. When investigator Cole went back to Mary Wilson and said, your grandson just told me this, she Hmm. broke down. Oh, whoops. Yeah. Right. So she's like, oh, all right. And then literally just spilled everything. (laughs) (laughs) She sucks like a book. (laughs) You're right. This sucks. (laughs) She even gave police recordings of phone conversations <laughs> between her son john and deborah how did what there are differing I, I i read it in different places and it came up different ways but basically what happened was she had a taping system installed on her phone that automatically recorded all calls now, oh my I god read, i read that john installed it because of the custody battle so in case oh. there was a conversation right okay. i read that she installed it and that she was just really snoopy like i don't know basically <sighs> every phone call that was made oh my god was recorded and this was like before they in some places they called it an answering machine which you right. could do that before you, you could. just yeah. turn it on right no matter yeah, what yeah and start recording but this wasn't even the answering machines that had those little micro tapes these were oh the my God. full the, cassette oh, tapes oh yeah and i thought you were going to say the reels like the police no used it wasn't to have. a reel no 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 we were we were in in the <laughs> mid 80s so they had the regular cassette tapes but they said that she like pulled out a box and she just had <gasps> hundreds of cassette tapes oh of phone my calls god i'm oh. sure john wayne was pissed to be like yeah you have been collecting all this shit (laughs) oh my god really incriminating crap hilarious the recordings revealed that 
John and Deborah were romantically involved. That was pretty obvious. What? (gasps) No. That is brand new information. (laughs) (laughs) I caught on. And Deborah was heard giving details about her husband's schedule and when might be the best time Mm. to kill him. (laughs) That's not suspicious. That's not at all. Mary Watson also gave detectives a photocopy of a $1,000 check made out to her son, but had been mailed to her. Wow. She, okay. she, she had a photocopy of it. Oh, that is I odd. I have a feeling she was suspicious, that she was she either was, nosy or suspicious. Yeah, or she really liked to keep good records. Yeah, And she, so it was mailed to her. So she looked into the return address mm-hmm. and it was sent to her from a man named Bob Black, which sounds mm-hmm. like a code name. Totally <laughs> does. Bob Black. Bob Black from Bryan, Texas. So detectives contacted police in Bryan, Texas and found out that, get this, Bob Black's wife, Sandra, had just recently been gunned down in her home by an unknown assailant. Oh. What Uh are the odds? Very, very (laughs) weird. That's so strange. Maybe it's buy one, get one, get one. (laughs) That is a good sale. I would do that. Buy one, get two free. That's right. that's good. Yeah, you know, when, when I see good. that at the grocery store, it makes me nervous. I'm like, what are these already expired? Yeah. What's going on? Oh, What's... they usually are. But yeah. yeah. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, it yeah. expires tomorrow. Okay. John Wayne Hearn was now connected to three homicides. So Johnny. Mm-hmm. a warrant was issued for his arrest. His arrest. Finally. Course. Okay. Mm-hmm. He turned himself into police in Brazos County, Texas on March 15th, 1985. Hidden down Texas. A day after questioning, he confessed to everything. Oh. So this broke, ex-Marine. Like, yeah, I was going to say. Ex-Marine. Don't you practice for this. Specialist when he mm. took him one day of questioning mm-hmm. and he was like, all right, you got me. I thought Let they, me tell you everything. Yeah, I thought <laughs> they were like, trained for interrogations. No, not so much. There were different places that said that although he was supposed to be this tough Marine, mm-hmm. he kind of had a baby face. Oh. And he was prone to crying. Oh. <laughs> Mm, okay. I'm, I'm picturing like this golden, like this little golden book called The Very Emotional Marine. Or like <laughs> That'd be awesome. <laughs> Stickers. Oh my God. Bad little soldier boy. With the big, big <laughs> You know, like they have the, the, the happy little pup or the pokey little yes, puppy. Yes, pokey little puppy. Right? And there's this sad little soldier. This is where things get fun because John spills it all. <laughs> this is fun. Yay. <laughs> this is fun. Yay, yeah. John. John told police that he had placed a $40 ad in the September 1984 issue of Soldier hmm. of Fortune. That paid back Looking well. for work as a bodyguard. He had other oh other soldier buddies said, oh, man, you can make cash. You can be a bodyguard. Yeah. Great ROI. rock stars. <laughs> <laughs> it pays really well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Instead, he was inundated with 10 to 20 calls a day asking him to participate in various crimes. Oh my the God. Most, the most popular one being, I want you to kill somebody. <gasps> oh my God. Could you and imagine? He's like, he, okay. He was like, you know. I wanted to be a bodyguard, but I guess. I, was, I just wanted to be a bodyguard. Okay. Just, right? Apparently he didn't agree to any of these. Oh, right? well. But then a sexy sounding lady. Oh, well, that's all it takes. Named Deborah called him <laughs> in October of 1984. Oh, and, God. you know, he's really good at picking women. Mm, I mean, yeah. He's, had, he's got he's had a lot. Wives. And so he thought, maybe this is how I 
Uh, I get Mrs. Hearn number five. Mm-hmm. <laughs> She'll stick this time. Oh, so she called saying she was looking for someone to strong arm her brother-in-law into hmm. resolving his custody dispute with her sister, Marlene. Uh, so she yes. didn't say she wanted to kill she somebody. Didn't. She just wanted, I need someone to apply a little pressure. Yeah, I need a little pressure. Give him right? a noogie. Yeah. Right. So John and Deborah met for the first time Mm-mm. at a Shoney's Big Boy restaurant <laughs> on Georgia's oh, Highway 75. So hot. Oh, it's almost like as good as White Castle. <laughs> Apparently, it was love at first sight for both. Mm, yum. And in the middle of their meeting, right there in the restaurant, Deborah leaned across the table and kissed John on the tip of his nose. Oh. <laughs> it was beautiful. It was, it was just like Snow White. I mean, it was just, oh, you know. Oh, no. Love's, love's true kiss. Uh, and he's like, oh, yes. <laughs> I will kill anybody for you. Sure. They quickly began having an affair. Mm, <laughs> and he made plans to move to Gainesville to mm. be with her. Again, he does not like, dude, you can date someone. <sighs> it's if anybody okay to gets date. anything out of these podcasts, date first. you can date somebody. You don't okay have to, to marry them. And you can date right for away. years. Did you know? Oh, my God. There are some people who don't get married at all. Yeah. <laughs> I've heard they have amazing relationships. They yes. usually don't end up dead. Mm-hmm. I can tell you that. It's true. <laughs> We were, I we have not told a story of a couple who was mm-hmm. not married but were together for twenty years and then one turned on the other. That is, nope. I have not found mm-hmm. that yet. Nope, not yet. Okay. What does that mm-hmm. tell you? So, if you had any desire to get relationship advice from a true crime <laughs> podcast, <laughs> we are experts, <laughs> right? Exactly. According to Bradford County investigator Don Denton, <laughs> he said, after that kiss, things move along fast. Mm. She meets him in November. Mm-hmm. By December, she's at his apartment and telling everyone her husband is dead and they haven't even killed him yet. Oh, okay. You never say mm. someone's dead until they're mm-hmm. dead. I mean, you that's might want to a- wait a little bit and and also, I don't know, don't <laughs> lead people to that conclusion. It's like, um, what's his name? Um, Scott. Scott Peterson, Peterson, when he yeah. was dating, right? Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, I'm a widow. Amber or whatever yeah, her name is. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. She was still alive. Were you though? <laughs> right. Deborah then decided rather than strong arming her brother-in-law, she wanted John to kill him. Uh, well, yeah, I mean. And John said he'd do it for $30,000. Um, that is the cost of the insurance. Ooh, interesting, right? Weird. Mm-hmm. Or the payout, I should say. This yeah. part's really funny, I think. Deborah went back to her family and told her sister Marlene that she, sorry, she had met a nice man mm-hmm. and she could get Cecil killed for $30,000. <laughs> I can Guess totally what, help you out. <laughs> I knew a guy. I have a new boyfriend. I know mm-hmm. I'm still married. I have a new boyfriend. He's super nice. And bonus, he kills 30000 cheap as right. can be. Right. Now, mm-hmm. reportedly, this is not verified, but mm-hmm. this is what I heard. Their mother, Iris, asked, why couldn't he do it for free? <laughs> Good point, and, Iris. And Marlene, Marlene later said, her mom said, what's wrong, Debbie? You lost your touch? <gasps> wow. <laughs> Marlene needs to spill. Hilarious. Marlene needs to spill the tea. She has some skills, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. A week later, Deborah comes back and tells them, she had talked him down to $10,000. Oh, wow. She, That's romantic. She bargained. No. She did some wheeling and dealing yeah. like she was at a garage sale. Yeah. 
30. Mm. Will you do it for five? No, I won't do it for five. Mm. 15? Mm, 15 still Shoot. too high. Yeah. 10? You got yourself a deal. What if I give you a kiss on the cheek and $10,000? Mm-hmm. Right? I just was like, oh, I am God. terrible at that. I don't like to bargain. Just tell mm-hmm. me how much it is. And if I want to pay for it, I will. I'm not good at that. So the fact that, mm. you know, I mean, so when people go to like garage sales and Facebook and they're oh, like God. Mm-hmm. giving offers mm-hmm. and stuff, mm-hmm. this woman just mm-hmm. wheeled and dealed a murder for a murder. <laughs> I didn't right. even know you could do that. I didn't mm-hmm. know you could negotiate. I didn't know this was it. Well, we have a lot to learn. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Okay. They all agreed. All right. Ten's okay. Uh, I mean. Eh. If you're better. Her mom. Yeah. Her mom was great. really like, come on, Debbie. We've seen you do better. Right. But whatever. They all were like, all right, ten grand. Okay. Yeah. Your game is weak, Deb. So the sisters began brainstorming a plan to come up with the money. Because these are these people are mm. not. Mm. They don't have ten grand laying around. So Deborah said. Wouldn't it be a shame if grandma's house burned down while grandma was visiting us in Gainesville? Oh, grandma. <laughs> Poor Rude. grandma. What? Poor grandma. Jesus. <laughs> well, how did I get <laughs> roped in Yeah. Her now she's going to have to live with one of you. Right. What you so, think of that? The sisters discussed the idea mm. with their mom, Iris. Oh, And Iris. Marlene said later, I told mom we were going to burn down grandma's house. Mm. And mom said, well, be careful. Oh, (laughs) Iris has some stories to tell. I have a feeling. I'm starting to wonder if, I mean, they didn't say, they just kept calling her grandma. So I'm wondering, like, was it her mother-in-law? And she's like, all right. Never like that bitch. Uh, You know what I mean? God. Or or maybe it it was her own mother. It could be. Iris is That woman has pissed me off for years. (laughs) She's cold. Right. If you wanted to know where Debbie and Marlene got it, right? They seem almost better than mom jesus so the sisters brought grandma and her cat oh they were totally harmless they brought the cat okay good (laughs) down from santa rosa beach in wilton county florida to their trailer the family's trailer in gainesville Mm. the day before thanksgiving oh god then they turned around and drove the five hours back immediately and fried a turkey (laughs) that's all it would take (laughs) yes no oh they went back to the home Mm. spilled varnish remover on the floor and Oops. started a fire oh god those assholes poor grandma by the way their dad was no better because mm. marlene later said dad told us to be real careful and not to get a speeding ticket in walton mm. county or any place near walton county that would put us back in the area mm, sage advice mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. see he's looking mm-hmm. out for his girls he knows by the time we got back, it was early in the morning, and my grandma assumed we had just come in, when actually we'd been out all night. Their eyebrows are gone. <laughs> what? <laughs> Nothing happened. We're good. Anybody <laughs> smell burnt hair? <laughs> what is that? Are we having barbecue? <laughs> Again. <laughs> Supposedly, grandma was really pissed well, about her house. I don't blame her. I'm glad right? she has the cat, at least. God. And she actually told, supposedly told, Cecil Beatty and his mother, because, you know, they all lived right around there, right. that she knew her family had burned down her house, even if she couldn't prove it. Oh, my God. And they're <laughs> probably like, oh, here Senile goes Grandma again. Yeah, exactly. yep. well, their stories. Crazy old bat. They should bring Those her back to- damn kids. <laughs> I burned down my house. I know, Sam. <laughs> You're so good at those voices. <laughs> God. Shortly after the fire, Marlene and her current husband, Larry Watson, 
This is now. This is a new husband. This, yeah, I'm like I don't remember. This would this be the name. second one. So she was married to Cecil. She left Cecil for his best friend Ralph. Okay. And then at some time, she didn't marry Ralph, but they broke up. Oh. And now she's married to Larry Watson. I'm glad she held back on one marriage. I don't know where it is, but I, I believe he was a construction worker. Mm. Anyways, at some point, they got into an argument, and he wound up in the hospital with a serious skull injury. Oh, wow. Rolling mm-hmm. pin? Yeah, you don't mess with these sisters. Mm-mm. Rolling pins and pans. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Marlene claimed he'd hit her. So she ran him down in her van as she tried to escape. <laughs> this is very Florida. Wow. <laughs> Larry's sister Joyce told police, I think it was done because he heard something she didn't want him to hear. Oh, well, Grandma, she's all like. <laughs> Grandma's just spouting her mouth. Yeah. Off. Someone done burned down my house. I <laughs> said burn by my house and now I think they're killing everybody. You're saying. <laughs> she's forgot her dentures that day. Oh, God. The assistant state's attorney was quoted saying later, I did consider it very suspicious. He was talked to several times, but he didn't remember anything. And there's not much we can do about that. So that just kind of went away. It well, was just yeah. Like when another kind of weird smack them in the coincidence. Head. There's a lot of weird coincidences that's happened with these sisters. And um, uh-huh. I just thought it was funny that she ran him down with the van. <laughs> <laughs> I just was like. They have an interesting way of dealing with their problems. And it's got to be like one of the really bad first first run of minivans. Yeah. Right. Oh, God. Meanwhile, the insurance money on Grandma's house came through on January 2nd. Oh, God. Okay. January 3rd, Deborah called John in Atlanta. Oh. Mm-hmm. The next day, they met at a Gainesville motel. Oh, God. And she paid him $10,000 in and $100 on bills. Oh, right. Yes. And one hundred dollar bills and some uh, touchy, touchy, feely, feely. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. allegedly. I don't know. I don't have that information. I can just assume you don't have the video. No, thank God. Or the the audio tapes. (laughs) (laughs) But you know who does? Iris. (laughs) Um, No, uh, Mary Watson. She's the other Uh, one that kept all the tapes. Yes, that's right. Mary. Keep up, Kelly. I know. There's so many of them. (laughs) I can't. It's a lot of names. There's a lot of names. He took three of those bills. And bought a 12-gauge shotgun he found advertised in the Gainesville Sun. They do a lot with ads here. They mm-hmm. do a lot of, yeah. a lot of advertising. Yeah, this is a good, right? good time. Mm-hmm. That same day, Marlene went over to Cecil's house to pick up her boys for the weekend. Okay. She also took with her a metal box that Cecil used to store his insurance papers. <laughs> hmm, right? Okay. And she suggested to the babysitter that she should take off for the weekend. Hmm. You probably don't want to be around this weekend. Right. There's some shit I going down. I have the down. kids. It's cool. You go. I also thought that was really weird because I was like, why would she stay if they were whatever? I don't know. It was there was weird stuff, right? She's a nanny. Right. How did she get? Yeah. I don't know. The trailer park there. nanny. <laughs> you can walk across the dirt yeah. road to your trailer, right? Yeah. Then Marlene went to the hospital to pick up Larry, as All one right. does, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Picks up the other husband. Sorry, Larry. Right. And then they all went home and had a nice family barbecue. Mm. (laughs) At least they're not cooking humans as far as we know. As far as we know. Right. Exactly. That's a different, different podcast episode. We've, we've, we've done that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In the early morning hours of Sunday, January 6th, John Wayne Hearn took the rifle, Mm -hmm. walked up to the picture window of Cecil's house, which was just across the street from the Sims family trailer. Oh, Fun. Mm-hmm. They're all right there. Yeah, right? 
He saw Cecil asleep on the couch with the television on. He shot him twice and then left town. Ah, well, wouldn't everybody hear it like right around there? Uh, yeah, I, it, right. It's a. I don't know. I just thought that was really. Of course, maybe everybody go. That's their first thing they do in the morning. Instead of uh, rooster, they're all like, mm-hmm. oh. I would imagine shotgun noises are not mm-hmm. all that unusual. <laughs> right? Exactly. They're like, who's doing it now? Like, God know. damn it, Ralph! Go back to bed. It's like fireworks. Yeah. <laughs> they're just oh, like, God, Again? it's endless. <laughs> I hate this time of year. Sometimes. Oh no. All right, so I was going to take a little break. Okay. Today's episode is sponsored by Relief Factor. Pain from everyday living, exercise, or just getting older is one of the leading causes of trips to the doctor and sleepless nights. It interferes with daily activities and keeps us from spending time with the people we love. If you have everyday pain, it stands to reason you need something you can feel comfortable with taking every day. That's why doctors invented 100% drug-free Relief Factor. Now, tens of thousands of customers are using Relief Factor every day to become mostly or completely pain-free. 100% drug-free Relief Factor features four key ingredients that each work on a different metabolic pathway to support your body's natural healing processes to respond to pain and inflammation. Now, you can try Relief Factor too. The three-week quick start retail price of almost $70 is now available to our listeners for just $19.95. Head to the link in our show notes to find out more. Start your journey to better health and less pain today with Relief Factor. Now that Marlene's problem was solved. (laughs) Yes, my problems have all been solved. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Deborah asked John to murder her husband. Uh, Well, I heard about you. (laughs) That worked so well. Then I think we should just take mine out, too. Can I get in on this deal? Sale. John later testified. She told me she would give me some money so I wouldn't feel guilty. They paid him. They paid him for Cecil's murder. Mm. But this one was just supposed to be a favor. But she didn't want him to feel bad, so she was going to throw some yeah, cash. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw you, know, you a couple dollars. It's like when your friend says, it's cool. I'll I'll watch your kids for I'll the night. They're like, you. just let me let me give you like 20 bucks. Like, yeah. No, 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 really. It's no. okay. It's okay. No, I don't want it to feel weird. Yeah. Thanks. Just take a 20. Yeah, just take a little bit. Right. I'll throw in some Pabst. Exactly. It's just like yeah. that. I'll bring you a bottle of wine. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Maybe I'll some do the favor sometime. Right. Yes. So yeah. this is, it's it's just like mm. that, but with killings. How nice. I'm glad they didn't leave him hanging. (laughs) Deborah also said that she was the beneficiary of Joe's life insurance policy. Mm. And she told John they could use the money to build their dream home together. Oh, the 30,000? No, this was a different policy. Oh, okay. Uh, They didn't say how much this one was, but they were going to take that and they're going to build their dream home. So, Okay. In the swamplands, I'm I'm assuming. Well, it it was going to be a really pretty double wide. Hmm. With their I, I can see it now. Right. Yeah, skylights. Mm-hmm. Joe moved down to Gainesville. They opened a joint checking account with Deborah signing her name as Hearn. She's still married, right? John and Debbie took their kids together to Disney World. Oh, Jesus. Right? Yeah. The Disney mm-hmm. World trip. That, this is the one. Her kids started calling him daddy. <gasps> That's crazy. How weird is that? So let, let's see. Mom and dad are still married. Oh, that's they, mean. They haven't too. even talked about a divorce, uh-huh. but we're going to go with this other guy to Disney World. And you need to call and him daddy. And we're going to call him daddy. 
Oh, that's what? not going to cause any trauma. <laughs> oh, my God. I'm oh just like. Oh, my God. Whew, okay. This is parenting fails. Oh, my God. So when Marlene, the younger sister, found out about the plan, she begged Debbie not to do it. So she's like, no, 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 no. This is going to this is going to be too suspicious. Right. So I think we know who has the brains of the two sisters, right? She was like, um, I think that's a bad idea. Mm-hmm. This is a little too weird. But Deborah was like, nah, it's good. It was so easy. <laughs> we got this, right? Deb. The plan was Joe and Debbie were going to meet at a dinner party in another town, right? With okay. another couple, right? And they were going to drive separate vehicles. So mm. she could drive. She was going to drop the kids off at Marlene's house. Marlene was going to watch them. <sighs> so okay. she was going to leave the kids with Marlene. And then meet Joe at the dinner party. Okay. And then on the way home, when they were in their separate vehicles, John, the John Wayne, was going to run Joe's car into a ravine. Oh. And Joe told her if he couldn't make it look like an accident, he would have to use the gun. Okay. Yeah. Backup plan. The gun they were talking about actually belonged to to Joe, the oh. soon-to-be murder oh. victim. They're, oh, no. Okay. <laughs> Deborah arranged to give it to John a few days before the murder. So she was using her husband's gun. Oh my God, she gave her item. So on Saturday, February 2nd, which again was only like three to four weeks mm-hmm. after the first husband was killed. Yeah. Deborah drops off her children with Marlene, goes to the dinner party. John was waiting on the highway. Around 10 p.m. He saw Deborah driving by and he flagged her down. He asked her, are you sure you want me to go through with it? And she replied, you better hurry up or you'll miss him. Mm-hmm. So she was like, get, well, this get is your dope. head out your ass. Right. Take care I of business. You, I told you. Mm-hmm. It only takes I one time, bitch. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so she drives off. So when the moment arrived, John had to improvise because there was too much traffic on the road when he got there, right? So instead. He really thought this through. He pulled the AR-7 rifle out from under the seat of his truck, assembled it as he was driving. You're not supposed to text and drive. I'm sure this isn't allowed either. Yeah, assembling and driving. He followed Joe Bannister when he turned onto a narrow country road and fired the rifle as he was driving. Jeez, dude. The first bullet grazed Joe's neck Mm -hmm. and he was struggling to keep control of the pickup because I didn't know. Mm -hmm. And then John fired again. And this time he was killed instantly. And the truck went off the road into a ditch. So there was Uh, no running off the road. There was no accident. He was mm -hmm. just flat out. Just like, maybe if the original plan was he just (sighs) drove off the road and there had Mm -hmm. been no bullet. Might have. They might have gotten away with it. I don't know. Then there wouldn't have been the suspicion thing. Mm -hmm. Then remember, this is this is John spilling, spilling all the tea, right? Spilling everything. He then is telling the police that when an electrician in Texas named Robert Vinoy Black also saw the ad in Soldier of Fortune magazine. He called John and asked order and asked if he would murder his wife. And initially, John is that my dog barking? That's what is your that? dog. Yeah. Shush. Yeah. Podcast. So he called and said, you know, I want you to kill my wife. And initially John turned him down. But Deborah pushed it pushed him to take more contract killing. She's like, why? This is great. You're so good at it. We're making bank. <laughs> You should but, do it. Uh, he could go to jail forever, right. but whatever. I have, we're building our dream home, you know. <laughs> We've got goals, baby. Goals. Right. So I thought this was odd. Um, so Bob Black was having an affair with his first cousin. Oh. Ew. Uh-huh. Stop it. 
and offer Jen, uh, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> Jen, what you been I, doing? I don't, I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> he offered John $10,000, which oh. I, only 10, yeah. I'm just like, maybe you should start, you know, yeah, you know, raise your prices. Come on. Yeah. Demand, you know, don't, sell, man. don't sell yourself short. Supply is short. Right. You can obviously, demand more. He was getting all those calls. Yeah, Obviously, so there is funny. a need for this business, right? <laughs> so anyways, he offered John 10 grand to murder his 36-year-old wife, Sandra. Mm. You know, so he could be with his first cousin. Oh, God, girls. Okay. So when John called and agreed to the job, mm-hmm. Bob Black sent a $1,000 cashier's check as a down payment. Mm. That's... To John's earnest, mother. It's like earnest money. Right. So this oh, was the cashier's check that came. I'm serious about this. But he sent it with a handwritten note that read, oh, if no. there's any way you can schedule your plans to conclude with my being alibied out of town this weekend, it would help considerably. Oh, God. I'm, I feel like <laughs> for these guys, it's like Rain Man could do a better job. Oh, I don't God. Know. <laughs> no, I'm like, this is... Are you, are you trying? Are, are you, you trying no. to get caught? Mm, yeah, idiots. On February 21st. So he murdered the one husband at the beginning of January, the second one at the beginning of February. It's only oh. February 21st. Oh, so he's he got went lots from, of... Right. He went from, I want to be a bodyguard to contract killer. And he's going to, he's got three down, right? Hey, let's get this got, job going. He's not a, he's not, he's a doer. Right. Well, you know, maybe if he charged more than 10 grand, he wouldn't have yeah. to do so many. True. Good point. Maybe one a year. Yeah, Char- right. Charge 60. I don't know. There you go. Right. On February 21st, John met Bob Black at his home in Bryan, Texas. Together, mm. they ransacked the house to make it look as if it had been robbed. At least they feel like they're trying a little this time. Right. They okay. were trying. <laughs> I don't know if they would have gone to all that trouble had they known there was the handwritten note basically yeah. just laying it all out there. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, <I know. laughs> so they ransacked the house to make sure to make it look as if it had been robbed. Bob gave John some of Sandra's jewelry Mm. and her two caliber revolver that she kept on her nightstand. Two caliber? What does that kill? A mouse? Maybe I wrote it wrong. No, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it is. So she had a gun. She had a revolver that she left on her nightstand. I know nothing, but I was like, two caliber sounds like. Or maybe it's like the same gun that they used in the the shark story where it just bounced off his head. Yeah. She had a yeah, really thick skull. Yeah, if you haven't if you haven't heard one dorsal fin dorsal from murder, fin. go back, go back and Get listen it. to that one. Get it, it's girl. A good one. Mm-hmm. Here, take some of her jewelry. Here's her revolver. Pawn it. Use your right. own name when you pawn it, <laughs> so sure, they can trap be you. Be sure you tell them Bob sent you. <laughs> oh. Then Bob left to run errands to create mm-hmm. an alibi, mm-hmm. of course, mm-hmm. right? And he called his wife at work to ask when she'd be home, so that they had a time right Mm. so when sandra came home john was hiding in the dining room he snuck up behind her shot her once in the back Mm. of the head and then a second time as she lay on the floor he shot her between the eyes god right you gotta be cold honestly that was cold but this next part i think is cold oh shit later that night when bob black came home with his 15 year old son he sent his son in first no. to find his mother, Stop it. thinking it would make his alibi stronger. What the fuck? No, it's going to make this more up. trauma for your child that he'll never get over. What an asshole. Right? He's worried about his alibi. 
Although obviously he doesn't have a lot of respect for other people and no. lives and feelings because he had his wife murdered. But right. you know, but your own know, child, you, you go think in you'd first. have something for. I know, right? Oh my god, I was just like, uh, that makes me black. sick. That poor kid. Right? Yeah. So I thought that was even colder than the yeah. kill oh, shot for sure. That did. Oh my god. Oh, so baby. Later on, police found out that soon after Sandra Black was killed. Deborah Bannister was trying to sell her jewelry wow. in Gainesville. Just hold on to it for a little while. God, I mean, they, you guys. they were so, I, I honestly thought about naming this episode if there was a D word that was like for like ballsy. Because yeah. I was just like, I know. damn, you guys. <laughs> or cocky. just stupid, cocky. Well, yeah, yeah. Well, that was that too. John Wayne Hearn pleaded guilty to all the murders Cecil Beatty, Joe Bannister, and Sandra Black. Mm-hmm. And since both Florida and Texas had the death penalty, oh, yeah. he was offered a life sentence if he agreed to testify in all the related trials. Okay. So he was like, all right, I'll cut that deal. Deborah Bannister was charged with the murder for hire of her husband and went on trial in August of 1986. Mm. Her defense team portrayed her as an unhappy housewife driven by loneliness Mm. who had an affair with this ex-marine named Mm. john Mm -hmm. but that she had broken it off oh and then that same day her husband was killed but she didn't know anything about the murder it was Mm. because she broke off the affair Mm. that john was like well i'm gonna kill her husband then yeah poor dad but prosecutor tom elwell had john as a star witness and evidence to back it up. Mm-hmm. The jury heard the calls between oh Deborah my God. and John recorded <laughs> by the system that was installed on the mother's phone. Oh, so, God. The way I got it figured, it will be an accident, John said on tape. Oh Good, said Deborah. Mm. I mean, like, uh, yep. Deborah was found guilty of second degree murder okay. and sentenced to 17 years in prison for the mm. murder of her husband. That doesn't seem like a lot. No, right? That's what I thought. But I guess since she just planned it mm-hmm. and didn't paid execute for it, it. Well, I mean, did she even pay for it? It was kind of a favor. True. She threw him a little cash. Yeah, a little kiss on the cheek. I don't know. After that trial, John went to Texas to testify against Robert Black, Bob Black. Okay. On February 26, 1986, a year and five days after Sandra's murder, mm. Bob Black was found guilty and sentenced to death. Whoa. Wow. Death penalty there, right? Yeah. So he got the death penalty in Texas, but she got 17 years of Yeah, Florida. that's bullshit. So the moral of the story is if you're going to kill somebody, you mm-hmm. do it in Florida, right. not Texas. See, I thought Florida was pretty bad for death penalty too. So did but I. But Texas you know. does take the cake for all that. Yeah. You're right, right. Mm-hmm. They like killing people. So Deborah, Marlene, and their parents, Frank and Iris Sims, were all charged in connection with Cecil Beatty's murder. Wow. They all proclaimed their innocence. But then just before trial, Marlene got a little worried and decided to take a plea, to make a plea deal. She pled to no contest to arson and a reduced charge of conspiracy to commit first degree murder. She was sentenced to five and a half years. What? For burning down the grandma's house what? and then taking that money and using it to conspire to commit uh, murder. But that murder actually happened. It's not like yeah. she conspired and they found out. Oh, my God. It actually happened. It actually happened. 
So then Frank and Iris pled no contest to a charge of being accessories after the fact. It wasn't after the fact. It was before the fact, but whatever. Yeah. They each got five years probation. Uh, ah, yeah. what? Yeah. Again, if you're going to do this, do it in Florida. This was back in 85. Maybe things have changed. Yeah. So, so then Deborah Bannister pled no contest to the same conspiracy She's like, that worked as well. Because she was like, yeah, I'll do that. But she was sentenced to 30 years. Ah. Remember, she's already a convicted mm-hmm. murderer, right? Mm-hmm. She was sentenced to 30 years to be served concurrently with her previous sentence. So oh, instead wow. of 17, then concurrently means it's all together, right? All together. So <laughs> 30 years, right. So she didn't get 47 years. She just went from 17 to 30. Mm-hmm. Oh, gotcha. Okay. But there was two murders. And she's the one who told her boyfriend to go, why don't you go kill the other guy too? We'll make some cash. I mean, (laughs) anyways, Bob Black was was executed by lethal injection on May Mm -hmm. 23rd, 1992. That was the murder of his wife, right? Mm -hmm. Deborah Bannister was paroled for good behavior (gasps) in 2004. Uh, She served nine years of her sentence. No, out of a 30-year sentence. No, not okay. No, right? Now 75 years old, John Wayne Hearn is still serving his life sentence at South Carolina's Perry Correctional Institution. He's still there. Wow. That's today. Okay, that's good. I did find out that Marlene Sims, the sister, mm-hmm. uh, she passed away in January of 2020 at the mm. age of 62. Damn. Don't know what's become of Deborah Bannister. There are also no pictures of these people. So mm. there have been a couple of books written on this story called like they're they've dubbed them the soldier of fortune murders mm, okay gross. and there's a couple books but even with those books mm-hmm. and several people articles like from people magazine yeah and an episode of snap of snapped from oxygen yeah there are like four pictures there is i have I two pictures of deborah no pictures of marlene two pictures of john wayne hearn a very old picture of Joe Bannister, and that's it. I don't have. Oh yeah, there's no, there's they're nowhere. You know why? Anything? Hmm. They burned down Grandma's house. That she had all the pictures. Had all the pictures. I wonder if we could get the tapes. I didn't look up the tapes. (laughs) The tapes would be good. Oh, there was one other little interesting thing. Sandra Black's family filed a one hundred and seven million dollar gross negligence suit against Soldier of Fortune magazine. Uh Uh-huh. The magazine stopped running personal ads in March of 1986. That's probably a good call on that. (laughs) Yeah, let's do that. A jury awarded the family $9.4 million, (gasps) which is a lot less than 107. Wow. But an appellate court overturned the verdict and the magazine was exonerated. I get it. I mean, it's not like they were like, this is fine, but... Well, I know. I And it was, I mean, he didn't advertise, you know, yeah, murder for killing. hire, but right. he just said it, it was weird, right? I, mm-hmm. so, and there's anyways. that whole freedom of speech thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, my sources yes. were the Chicago Tribune, okay. Oxygen.com, People.com, Wikipedia. What? And Snapped Season 28, Episode 21. I'm going to have to watch that Which... One. All focused on Deborah Bannister, which I don't think she That's it was only, it's not all her. No. I mean, she just happened lot. to be the one who was willing to, you know, romance a, a guy. She yeah. was she was willing to make the call to the ad. She romanced the guy and, you know, she got them a BOGO. 
I mean, she's really just guilty of being a good shopper. She's just guilty of being she's, a good shopper. She would be good on that coupon <laughs> show. Oh, yeah, right? See, mm-hmm. she'd, be, she'd be one of those ones like, um, I have a friend who's really good at going to, um, what's it called, CVS. You guys have mm-hmm. CVS out there, right? Yes, we do. Yeah. You, you know how they have those, those um <laughs> The long, long like, receipts. Right, exactly. She is really good <laughs> at that. And she does like her care care books or whatever and she'll go in and she will have bags of stuff and she'll be like i paid 11 cents and i'll be like Whoa. damn it is like an art form it, it is, is. A, it, i would just go it's, with to dedication watch her. it was beautiful i mean that is dedication that yeah could have been dead she missed her calling right instead maybe she does that now Oh, maybe that's it. What was it? Um, Lori Vallow. Remember Lori? Uh, you know Lori Vallow, the, um, the the Doomsday Mom. Oh, right. Yes. Right. She was on Wheel of Fortune. Did you know that she was on an I episode did not of Wheel of Fortune? That. I did yes. Not. Oh she was God. on an episode of Wheel of Fortune. Obviously, before she went batshit crazy. <gasps> yeah. Before, well, obviously. All of this happened, right? I wonder. I because mm. nobody knows what became of Deborah after she got out of you know mm-hmm. prison. Maybe mm. she's on Supermarket Sweep. Maybe. You know, the other Deborah I was thinking of is a Chihuahua I met the other day. <laughs> I'm sorry, you met a Chihuahua named Deborah? Debbie. Yeah. That is awesome. I'm sorry. <laughs> that <was> fantastic. <laughs> Made me so happy. I was like, oh my Debbie. <laughs> Debbie, the Debbie the Chihuahua. <laughs> yeah, that's right. one dial for I her. Liked All it. you got to do is pick up the phone and be like, how much would it cost? Wow. Will wow. you do a BOGO? It's January. Will you do a President's Day sale? Yes, maybe two. Wait, buy one, get two free. Buy one, get one. You know what? It's that post-Christmas of the price drops on everything. Ooh, or even Christmas in July. Christmas in July. That's coming. That's coming soon. (laughs) What are the... Thank you, everybody, for listening to all of that. Yeah, that that was a good one. And these crazy ass sisters oh my god and I, like i said I, the snap episode did not even discuss the parents and i was like you know they didn't just mm. come out of the womb being Mm-mm. crazy ass Mm-mm. like this they got it from somewhere iris is impressive i don't iris know iris is impressive mm-hmm. the dad will mm. we're gonna go burn down grandma's house to make some money so that we can kill her husband well, you make sure you don't get a speeding ticket because you know they will find you <laughs> thanks what? thanks for the tips dad <laughs> God, if I want your advice, I'll ask you. (laughs) Next Father's Day card. Thanks for looking out for us, Dad. You always have our best interest at heart. All right. Come back next week. We've got another good episode coming. Yes. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you later. Bye. To see images from this story, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at ODFM Podcast or on our website at odfmpodcast.com, where you'll also find a link to our merch store, where you can get awesome stuff like t-shirts, mugs, stickers, and more. And if the weekly podcast just isn't enough to fill your ODFM cup full, join our fan club on Patreon for more content like minisodes, bloopers, and discounts at our merch store. That site is patreon.com slash odfmpodcast. And if you do love our bloopers and need more than we naturally do, which is a lot, buy us a glass of wine at buymeacoffee.com slash ODFM podcast. Thanks for listening to another episode of ODFM, hosted by Kelly DeVries and Jenna Swanson. Production and editing by Kelly DeVries. Theme music by Eric Swanson. 
ODFM is a satirical true crime podcast for entertainment purposes only. The stories you hear are serious and true. The comments and opinions are not. We apologize if any of our content is harmful or disrespectful. 